for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Thank you guys so much for being here. Coming on a Sunday. I, you know what I'm saying? When the weather gets cold like this, your, your blankets start talking to you. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing getting up right now? You need to just stay here. <laughs> Jesus is everywhere, you know? <laughs> He's here. He's in my slippers. Don't worry. You can come here in your slippers. You can bring a blanket if you want. It's all right. I'm just glad you're here. And so this is the, um, the last Sunday in our series on Jesus as he is. The seven I am statements in John where Jesus is explaining in his own words how he forms the Godhead, how he is a part of the I am the children of Israel were familiar with in the desert, but he is the new, a part of the new covenant. He is ushering in a new covenant with the God, the Lord, the creator of all things. In a point where God would say, I am that I am, Jesus is saying, I'm going to explain to you exactly why I am him who exists and are becoming. This is essential for our foundation as people. As we're coming out of a time of COVID and a time of like um, losing so much and we're beginning to get back around in full form that all things that are important to us are gathered around who Jesus is. All relationships that grow into the beauty and the fruitfulness of life have to be gathered around who Jesus is especially. So when he says, I am the true vine, he is showing that not all fruitfulness comes opposite from him. That fruitfulness comes from him. Say, juicy fruit. Juicy fruit, not just fruit, juicy fruit. When the children of Israel wanted proof that the promised land was where they were supposed to be coming from, they returned with grapes, huge, the size of, I don't know, basketballs maybe. You know, this is just how you see it, think about it in the scripture. But they come back with huge evidence that God has called them into the promised land. If you want to know whether or not I am a believer and I'm following Jesus Christ, you look into the fruit of my life. But we are very good at producing fruit that some way down the road we have convinced that this is what it's supposed to look like. But the fruit of this world and the fruit of the kingdom are very different things. And we are so impressed with the fruit of this world. I mean, come on, baby. Marble countertops and all that, you know. This is, that's a nice, that's a sassy fruit. But it, Jesus says it is a different Fruit, And so our source text is going to be John 15 and 1 through 7. And we know vineyards are very important to the Mediterranean world. And Jesus is using this language at a time right after he has had the meal and Judas has gone out. And he's beginning to have this discourse. Some believe he was on the way to Jerusalem from Bethany. So he would have been able to see and use these different symbols as he was walking along. And in John 
14, 15, 16, and 17 are, is a discourse that Judas wouldn't have experienced. But Jesus is talking about unity. He's also talking about the paraclete, who is the Holy Spirit, and how he is going so that the comforter will return to us. And in the middle of this, it's this symbolism of abiding in Jesus and therefore experiencing fruitfulness. In John 15 and 1, it says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in a vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. Father, I thank you that we abide in the true vine and that we are your disciples. As you speak to us through this word, may my words fall humbly upon the hearts of your hungry people and your love be made known to them. In Jesus' name. Amen. There is something about this balm in Gilead, this true vine and the symbolism of wine and oil and in the new covenant. There are three plants that are grown frequently in Israel. There is a fig tree, there is an olive tree, and there is the vine. Now it's important because the vine needs a lot of care. You can plant an olive tree and leave it. You don't have to cultivate it. You don't have to prune it. But these vines are very sensitive. They must be pruned. The initial pruning is just pulling pieces off of it by hand. And then later on in the summer, you would actually use pruning shears. Has anybody ever seen pruning shears? Those things are intense. <laughs> They're like scissors times five. Imagine that. God using that to refine us to cut away the things that we think are essential to us but are actually inhibiting our growth. The branches that have the most fruit is where you cut them so that the rootstock can go deep into the earth and produce even greater fruits. But its pruning is painful, I imagine, to a plant because pruning is painful to us especially when you don't get to decide whether or not you want to go into this pain, whatever is happening. And Jesus is saying that he is doing some pruning so that we can grow. And I know even in my life, personally, God has been doing some pruning. I love to meet with people, everyone that I know in the Chicago area. Hey, let's sit down. And in the course of 12 years as a pastor, I have visited 55 coffee shops in the Chicago area. 
just to meet with people and say, you know what I mean? You ever one of those people in your life who are like, I just want to make sure we're okay. You're not mad at me, are you? That's kind of how I can be. I want to be on good terms with everyone and not have any enemies whatsoever. But then I look in this season that God has me in, and I am called to cultivate and concentrate on those who are here so that I can pour into this body. And so why it may seem to some people, this is very small, and oh, I wish there were more people here. I am thankful for each and every one of you. You know why? Because I can meet with you. I can sit down with you. I can hear where you are in your life. I can hear about the passions that you have, the disappointments that you have, how hungry you may be for the Lord. And in this time, this is very important to him that we care for what is immediately in front of us. What is the source of anxiety? The source of anxiety is worrying too much about what is in the future or what is in the past. There's a reason that it's called God's presence because we stay in our moment and we are present in a way that we understand that is where fruitfulness comes from. Everybody thinks they're good at avoiding pain. You know what I'm saying? I think the Waze app has done that. <laughs> I put in an address. You know, you feel like you're just, you're just the only one who uses the Waze app. Yeah, I'm avoiding all this traffic, baby. Look at me. Yeah. I'm not going down Kedzie. I'm going on 15 million side streets. <laughs> yes, I'm using more gas, but I am avoiding the pain of just sitting in traffic. At least I'm moving forward. I remember hearing a leader tell me, you know, I I don't deal with pain. I just avoid it. What? You think you're good at avoiding pain, just like everybody thinks they're above average driver. You're not. You're an average driver, probably. (laughs) I'm so good at avoiding pain. You know, it's like, no, no, probably not. Probably not. Life happens to us. Life happens through us without checking with us. How do we remain fruitful when pruning is happening? And it is painful to have to refrain from something, something feeling like it's being taken away. In Proverbs 8 and 12, it says, I, wisdom, as personified, I, wisdom, who we know as Christ, I dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Wisdom dwells with prudence, what we refrain from, not we, what we engage in. God is often stripping things away because we like to gather more things. The bigger place we get, the more stuff we get, the bigger our salary gets, the more things we accumulate. We have this thing that says, I'm going to make more money, I'm going to save more money. Eh, you know, we make our lifestyles meet exactly where our income is a lot of times. God is calling us to prudence when we are doing so much. But why? What is the goal of it? God is doing so that we may abide with him. Pruning so that we may abide. Now, what is abiding? Abiding is something that you don't have to start doing It's something that you are doing, whether or not you know it or not. When we, when Jesus died on the cross 
and took off his righteousness and placed it on us as sinners, he has said, you know what? You are in my family now. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin or your trespasses. He sees the very righteousness of Christ. The only one who can say they lived and moved on this earth completely sinless. That is good. That is the good news of the gospel. That I can go before the king of the universe, the God of all creation, and I don't have to wear my own clothes. That I can abide with one who has secured righteousness in his perfection. This is Jesus. But you don't look like you believe me yet. In Ephesians, in chapter 2, if you ever want to have an understanding of what we get as believers, what is our inheritance made of, look at Ephesians 2. This is the very beginning of Ephesians 2, some of the most beautiful, maybe some would call it superfluous, language about who Jesus is. But it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. There were once by nature children of wrath. Children of wrath, just as the others, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love and with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. This is how we know God is a good God, because of the kindness found in Jesus Christ. Christ, but it says right here that he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are sitting in the living room with Jesus. We are abiding with him. I don't know if it's plastic on a couch in this proverbial place, but I'm sure the couches don't get dirty. But we are seated with Christ with him. Not running, not walking. At this point, we are seated with Christ, abiding in the vine. It's like we're walking around in a vine that we have access to the heavenly supply of love, peace, joy, righteousness, long-suffering, heavenly supplies that we have, but it's about us, our perspective, understanding that we are in Christ. Yes, you are in Chicago. Yes, you are in the Humble Park neighborhood. Yes, you are 
in a building at 1701 North Richmond, but you are in Christ. He has secured us. As long as you have welcomed Jesus into your heart, then we abide with him. I've been to Napa and seen all of the wonderful vineyards there and how these vines grow all over the place. And there's these sprawling vineyards owned by all these probably wealthy people. And these, this little plant that demands all this care of the sun, and they give it water. They take away, they distress it on purpose because it creates the more creative notes in wine. You give it water, you take away water, shade, sun, shade, sun. You manipulate all these surroundings so that the taste will be richer and greater. But in the middle of it, it is hard for us to see that. That that's happening. We are this rootstock and our roots are going down deep. We are just like, God, when is this pain going to be over? Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm not a false One, that in the midst of what you are going through, I am creating these deeper, greater notes. Fruit is so amazing. I love fruit so much. More specifically, applesauce. I love applesauce. Don't even talk about trying to put cinnamon in applesauce because I will fight you. Cinnamon does not go in applesauce, nor does high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) Just plain, just, you know, straight from the earth like baby food. Did you know that an apple seed, that in every apple seed is the potential for every variety of apple? That you, there are not a different apple seed for every variety. You ever eat an apple and all the seeds look the same? What happens is you plant a seed, and of course it has to be pollinated by the right plants, and bees have to come over and do all that. But once it's a certain height, they take a branch from another tree that they want it to be, and they graft it in. You graft it into the tree, and then it becomes a pink lady, or it becomes a gala, or it becomes all the different varieties of apple. And this is one fruit. God is ridiculous. His creation, oh my gosh, it's just mind-blowing. I I mean, we go through life all day, all, you know, and we just walk by trees, we walk by flowers, we walk by birds and all this stuff, and it can become a blur because, remember, our anxiety is placing us too far in the future or too far in the past, and we can't be present, you know? You have to be present to abide, You have to understand all that you have. You have to experience joy in your moment before you can step into your new moment. It all is for you. Our next series that we're going into is called what? You guessed it, Juicy Fruit. Because we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the paraclete, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, joy, peace, love, long-suffering, all the juicy fruits that we get. But that doesn't happen without us being firmly planted in Jesus. I don't want the fruit of this world. I don't because it doesn't last it 
goes away. I don't care how big the house is. I don't care how nice the car is. You throw 200, 100 years at a house or a car, it's going to be a pile of rubble and rust. But in 200 years, the word and the truth of abiding in Jesus will stand. It will be here. Where are we investing our time in abiding with Jesus? Never do I want you to leave out of here thinking, oh man, I got a new laundry list. Lord knows that our lists are long enough. I am saying, look what is in your bank account now. Woo-wee. Look at this love that God has given you already. That he sacrificed his son for you, and we get to tap into this at any moment. But of course, we become familiar and comfortable with it. Then we will start to devalue what is simply in Scripture and a part of our inheritance. That's why I'm here, is to help spark a hunger in you to go to the Word to go to Jesus, to be embedded in this true vine and have access to the juiciest of fruits. Western culture, like I said, has a much different fruit list. And very often we are calling idols fruit. We're calling things that are meant to replace God, God. And coming from him. If my success looks like not leading Jesus, I don't need that success. God, you know, man, just give me a million dollars, you know. (laughs) I would be fine if I had a million dollars. Oh, so you don't need God anymore? Okay. That's not going to happen. Let's talk about the real fruits. This is in Galatians 5 and 22. This list is not exhaustive, meaning it is not every single gift because God gives different gifts to every person. But this is a pretty dope list. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. What? Yeah, fruit of the Spirit. The things that we have when we walk with Jesus. Do you know what it's like to not envy anybody else's success? Or someone else's process? To be convinced that the faithfulness of your hands in the very moment you sit in is all that God desires from you. He doesn't need you to produce another dollar. He doesn't need you to pay another bill. He doesn't need you to do all this stuff. Of course, practically we do that to live, but not to receive his love. We do it to live, but not to receive his love. This fruit that continues to grow from heaven. And as we abide in the vine, it's amazing. There's a lady that married me and my wife. Her name is Heidi Baker. She's a missionary in Africa. She's been doing this 30 or 40 years or something like that. 
and she's just a white lady from like Malibu, California, who decided to move to the poorest country on earth and minister and do God's work. Now, we went there on a missions trip, and as some of you may have known, we ended up getting married by her in Mozambique on the Indian Ocean. But when we had the first meeting with her to ask her to marry us, let me tell you, it was the most chaotic thing I had ever seen in my life. Western culture, you know what I'm saying? We have a receptionist, you make appointments, you come in, and you ask for what you need. I mean, when we tell you in her office there were 20 people milling around, like coming in, asking for stuff, doing all this, and she's in the middle of it like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, I love you, Jesus. (laughs) I was like, what is going on here? This lady is, she's wilding. But guess what her life's message is? John 15, abiding in the vine. She will preach a message and she will go, abide, 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 abide. And this became her message and her ministry exploded where they may have had a few churches they were overseeing, now they have like 10,000. How how does that happen? That's fruits, of course, can look the same in the world, and we go, oh man, they have a big church, they must be abiding. But there's this overwhelming thing happens when we are very present. Take a moment this week to just be present, to imagine yourself in the vine. Two seconds, Um, imagine you are connected to Jesus. Abide, and you will see that when anxiety and worry about the future and the past is taken off the table, you can do anything. And people will obviously call it something that is supernatural. So I don't want to live too far in the future. You know what that does? It makes me more concerned about what I don't have than what God has done already. And look at what he's done. We are together. We are worshiping together. When in the past that seemed like an impossibility. Let us abide with him so that we may even do greater works than what Jesus did. That we will truly understand and know his love for us that goes beyond anything that we can see. We're not here to produce. We are products of love. Therefore, we naturally produce. I mean, I can, you know, hold my hands tight and work. Ah, People want to work, work, work for the fruit. We, we just want, what was the curse that God gave us? Toil by the work of your hands you will produce. Digging, out there working hard, sweating. And now Jesus is saying, all we got to do to be fruitful is abide? It's almost like he's reversing the curse. Oh, lo and behold, this is what he came to do. Be present with Jesus. In some ways, that wasn't enough for us to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. We needed more than that. 
We needed to become like him when lo and behold, we were with him the whole time. Do not let the pursuit of fruit keep you from the pursuit of the fruit giver who has all that we need and juicy, juicy fruit. More than we could ever imagine comes from God. I'm just going to pray for us and we're going to take some communion. Father God, you have provided.